The famous comedian George Burns said the secret to a really great sermon is to have a great beginning and a great ending and have the two as close together as possible. <laughs> I'm going to try that today. But we have a really big subject. The subject is Reformation. You've heard it's Reformation Sunday. This is not just any Reformation Sunday. This Sunday is special because this year we're celebrating, as you may know, the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. The Reformation gets counted from 1517, 500 years ago, when Martin Luther attached his 95 theses to the chapel door at the University of Wittenberg, where he was a professor. These 95 Theses were his 95 protestations against the church. Those 95 protestations gave energy and focus to the Protestant Reformation, which brought about the many uh, Protestant denominations, Lutherans, Episcopalians, Presbyterians, Methodists, and many others. For 500 years now, these Protestant denominations have been seeking to serve God and be God's faithful people alongside what's known as the Roman Catholic Church. If you like genealogy, we have a wonderful family tree. Our family tree begins with God. Our family tree begins with God calling Abraham and Sarah and their epic family that we've been thinking about in recent Sundays that is found in the story of Genesis. The epic story of God calling a covenant people. And God's people emerge through the pages of the Bible, through Genesis and through Moses and through the promised land and through prophets and kings and then through Jesus and the disciples and then through Paul and the early church through his letters. This is our lineage. This is our family tree. The church came into being as God claimed and called and maintained and sent people into the world to work for the reign of God, to demonstrate who God is and what God is about. The gospel of God's love, this call to be Christian communities, faithful communities, covenant people, grew and spread through the region of the Mediterranean. The church emerged as a factor in society, a place where people learned about God and learned to serve God. And in the history of civilization, however you read it, civilization develops, the church is developing. The church played a significant role, growing and changing and as you might expect, we can often see through our history these good seasons of both civilization and bad seasons of civilization and church, prospering, seeking to serve together. By the beginning of the 16th century, especially in Europe, many factors were contributing to a season of unrest in the world. Changing economic and social factors contributed to the Re Reformation as the peasants revolted against the medieval structures and the oppression of that day. The printing press had also come into being, which brought change to every aspect of life. Together, these things brought about the Renaissance, 
bringing new ways to think about humanity, philosophy, religion, science. How do we attain knowledge? Where does it come from? It affected music and the arts. All these forces are at work together to bring a season of change and renewal in the church. So Martin Luther attached his 95 theses to the door at Wittenberg in 1517, but many other factors were making and bringing about change. In fact, in fact, many historians now look back at history and argue that the major changes in civilizations come about every 500 years, and that was one, and many are arguing that now we're in the midst of another Reformation, significant change. So this subject deserves our attention. What was happening in 1517? What was God doing? And what can we learn from that today? The key text of Scripture that really is viewed as the impetus for Martin Luther is a text from Romans chapter 3. It begins with verse 21. Listen. But now... Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. Since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, they are now justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by His blood, effective through faith. He did this to show His righteousness, because in His divine forbearance He had passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that He Himself is righteous and that He justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of boasting? It is excluded. By what law? By that of works? No. But by the law of faith. This is the word of the Lord. Here's the key phrase. We are justified by God's grace as a gift. That was the fantastic wow moment for Martin Luther, the insight that actually changed his life and led to changing the whole church. We are justified by God's grace as a gift. We are made right by God, not by anything we do, but by simple grace, a gift, a gift that covers us, all of us. So think about this. Martin Luther was an Augustinian monk. He had given his life over to serving God. He had given his life over to teaching others about God. He had sought to live faithfully every day. And yet Luther was haunted. He was truly haunted by the sense that despite his best efforts, despite his willing devotion... Despite all of his acts of faithfulness, all of his commitments, he did not really ever feel worthy of God's love. He never felt confident of God's promises and presence for him. Do you know anything about that? 
Then add to this Luther's anxiety, Luther's uncertainty. Add to this all that's happening in the larger church. By the 16th century, the church was selling indulgences. The church was contributing to people's anxiety. The church was contributing to people's nervousness about God because the only way that to secure your sense of salvation, to feel confident in Christ's love and presence, was to buy it, purchase it from the church. See, the larger church, in order to maintain its power and its buildings and its structures in society, was selling forgiveness. God's grace was not free. It had to be earned. It had to be purchased. So, you can imagine the church is ripe for reformation, especially with all the other things that were happening in the world. So Martin Luther, so overwhelmed by this one text, seized on this from Romans, which is so very clear. We are justified by God's grace, and it's a gift. It's not about works, it's a gift. It's not our doing, it's about God's doing. It's not our initiative, it's God's initiative. It's not about our effort, it's all about grace. It is a gift we received. This becomes good news, gospel, gospel for the whole world. The text became the centerpiece of the Reformation. So in his 95 Theses, Martin Luther is demanding that we look past the church We look past the Pope, we look past the indulgences that had become so prominent, and we look to the good news of God in Scripture. It's there in the Word. God's grace comes first. God's love covers us. It is a gift. This is really good news for me. I think this is really good news for all of us, especially in these days. Life can get quickly complicated for all of us. Life can feel overwhelming for many of us. Circumstances uh, do not always go as we had anticipated. God gets blocked out as God did for Luther. God gets covered up with all kinds of other structures and plans and practices as it did in that season. God gets forgotten. The gospel kind of goes away. Things may be happening with your parents that perplex you like they do me, give us heartache. Things may be happening with your children that keep us up at night, that change the direction of our lives. Things may be happening at work or in the community that we're worried about. People disappoint us and problems overwhelm us. What do we do? What can we do? We want to know. What can we do? And perhaps the greatest theme of the Reformation is that God's love covers us. The same message Ginger is telling to the children. God's grace claims us. The Christian life is not about what we have to do or what we've done. It's always about God and what God has done in Jesus Christ and how God's grace covers us. We have been redeemed. It's a gift. It's not about our doing. It's given to us. This is the most critical message of Romans 3. And it's the most critical message of the Reformation. The Christian life is about being open to God's love. The Christian life is being covered with God's promises, no matter what we might be dealing with. The Christian life is in knowing that we're always held by God's grace, regardless of what comes our way. 
Nothing can separate us from God's love and all the swirl and all the confusion of life. Luther's great contribution to the church is the assertion of the gospel. We cannot earn our way into God's loving care. God's care and love cover us. This is how theologian and and writer Roberta Bondi uh, puts it. Before anything else, above all else, beyond all else, God loves us. God loves us extravagantly. God loves us ridiculously, without limit or condition. God is in love with us. God is besotted with us. God yearns for us. God does not love us in spite of who we are or for whom God knows we might become. God loves us hopelessly as mothers love their babies and as tiny babies love everybody who smiles at them. God loves us the very people we are, and not only that, but even against what we ourselves sometimes find plausible, God likes us. So the good news feels especially pertinent in these days because even when our culture is trying to sort out this heavy emphasis on sexual assault and how bad a problem that is, and as our culture is trying to piece together the wounded people resulting from gun violence in our culture, God is present and God is at work. And even in a world trying to figure out terror, and even in a world uh, where so many are left as refugees and our prayers are that we can please avoid a war, nuclear war with North Korea and many other things, God's grace holds us. That's forever. Steadfast love of the Lord is forever. And even when our hearts are filled with personal issues and worries, the promise of God's love, the very foundation of the Reformation remains so critical to our lives. God loves us extravagantly, ridiculously, and without limit or condition. And then, if we're so covered by God's grace and love... We're to live by faith. That's also in this text. It says God's grace becomes, quote, effective through faith. One of the key phrases of the Reformation was sola fides, only faith. Not works, only faith. What does this mean now for our day, for our time? Faith, not works. Faith, not some formula that we have to check off if we're going to follow Unfortunately, this word faith and sola fides has too often been understood as ascribing to certain set of beliefs or believing certain statements to be true. Faith may certainly include learning and knowing important beliefs, but when Romans talks about this and when Martin, Marty, uh, Martin Luther is talking about this, justified by grace and made effective through faith, what Luther realized And what can help all of us is in thinking about faith less as a set of beliefs and more as abiding trust, trust in God. Have you ever taught a child to swim? Most of us have. And if you recall that experience, you know that the the biggest hurdle is getting the child to relax because we all float a little bit in the water. So we say, don't fight it, relax. And why do we say it? Well, 
Swimming is in part floating. We float in the water. Here's the connection. Faith is trusting in the buoyancy of God. Can you do that? Faith is trusting in the sea of God's love that holds us. God loves us from the beginning. God forgives our iniquities. God heals our hurts. God holds us through all things. It's not what we do. It's about whom we trust. It's about who holds us. We trust in God who never lets us go. So we keep our focus on God and we keep nurturing a trust in God's abiding care. These are the essential tenets of the Reformation. Keep looking to God and keep striving to grow in trusting God. And then there's maybe one more piece that deserves our careful attention today. We're justified by grace. It's a gift. Thanks be to God. We live by faith. That means trusting God. And then we know we're called to serve God with our lives, with everything about our lives. One of the Reformation catechism asks this, what's the primary purpose? What's the chief end in life? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy God forever. Justified by God's grace, made right with God. It's all God's doing. And trusting God, living in the buoyancy of God's love, then means to serve God with our daily, daily lives in the world. Our bulletin reminds us on the back that we are all ministers. We, are, we know about God's love and care. We seek to trust God with our lives, and so we seek to carry out God's light and peace wherever we find ourselves as we go from this place. We're all ministers. In another place in Paul's letters, he asks us, what are we going to do with all that we've been given? What are you going to do with all that you've been given? God's grace freely given leads to gratitude, which leads to serving God in the world, all of us. God's abiding love covers us. We live by faith as ministers, all of us, and we are absolutely expected to serve God in the world with all we have and all we are. We cannot be Christian in name only. The Christian life means that our lives are about love and peace following Jesus. The Christian life means we are to devote our lives, our gifts, our time, our talents, our everything to serving God. We do this not in order to gain anything, but because of, because of God's grace that covers us, because of God's buoyancy that holds us, because we seek to trust God we seek to serve God in the world, spreading God's light everywhere we go. Presbyterians, part of the second generation of reformers, have a great phrase, we're elected to service as well as salvation. There's no such thing as faith without service. There's no such thing as life with God without serving God. So any Reformation sermon then really becomes a stewardship sermon. Uh, we have been justified by grace. It's all God's doing. We trust God with our lives, and serving God is how we go. Giving to God's purposes, loving generously, spreading light as expansively as we can. We offer to God all we have and all we are always till the reign of God comes. The psalmist says, make a joyful noise 
Worship and serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord is God. God's love endures forever. One Sunday, a cowboy went to church. When he entered, he saw that only he and the preacher were in the room. So the preacher asked the cowboy if he wanted him to go ahead and preach his sermon. The cowboy said, you know, I'm not too smart, but if I went to feed my cattle and only one cow showed up, I would feed him. So the preacher began his sermon. One hour passed. Two hours passed. Two and a half hours passed. The preacher finally finished, and he went down to the cowboy, and he said, How'd you like the sermon? The cowboy answered slowly, You know, I'm not real smart, but if I went to feed my cattle and only one of them showed up, I surely wouldn't give them all the hay. (laughs) We've not addressed everything about the Reformation today, not all the hay, but the Reformation confirms for us the good news of God. God's love covers us. We live by faith, trusting God. And that calls us, God's love and faith, to serving God as well as we can, as far as we can, spreading God's love and light. And as Presbyterians, we, we have a phrase, we are reformed and we're always reforming. So God is always working on us to be ever new in faithfulness and in devotion in love and service, God's work in the world. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Move in our midst, O God, with your loving, reforming ways. We seek to trust you and we seek to serve Christ our Lord. Amen.